everybody and welcome to the related to geeks book club this episode we are discussing little brother by Corey doctorow which i finished just mere minutes before recording this episode so bear bear with me uh dad's here he's gonna be discussing it with me and we're gonna be hanging out and uh seeing what we think about it so dad this is your second time reading this right yeah um and i did manage to time it to where i finished today on my reread, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then I read the afterward in the bibliography too. So, yeah, I had some of that stuff. I listened to the audiobook. I was able to get the audiobook through my library. Um, I started by trying to read it, but I just knew with my schedule the past few days, I had to be able to multitask some stuff. So I listened to the audiobook, um, and I listened to it at like almost two and a half speed which is very fast. If you're, if you're not familiar with uh, listening to audiobooks, you can ramp up the speed quite a bit. And uh, in a way, I, I kind of liked that for this story because it helped with the frantic elements of it when someone's reading it very frantically. <laughs> <laughs> I think it added a certain level to it. <laughs> there were certainly uh, plenty of frantic elements. Mm-hmm. So, so overall, what's your opinion of this book? Because I, I'm kind of weird about it. So I, I just want to know where you're, where you're landing. Okay. Well, um, it's it's a young adult, and mm-hmm. um, and it's a a good quick read story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it it has some things in it that um, kind of go back to. Um, early golden age science fiction where all your science fiction had to be technically correct and explained. Or if it wasn't known yet whether it's possible, there had to be some kind of explanation based on actual science. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he had those little segments, segments of exposition where all of a sudden he's talking to the reader about technology, you know. Yeah, cryptography and all that, and that was that was, uh, you know, for someone who uh, that might throw someone off. For me, it was like, oh yeah, this is like, because I learned all my science reading science fiction because I knew that those authors, you know, did all the work making yeah, sure they actually had it right. did their research. Yeah, yeah, and and Corey did his research too on this particular um, story, and used as much as possible. Um, things from the real world Mm -hmm. so uh, uh, and it's almost uh, not even science fiction because it's really present day alternate reality yeah well and there's just so much crammed in it that's got that kind of random factoid feel but I just remember towards the end when they started talking about freakinism I was just like really what else you gotta throw in here because that's something I mean I'm familiar with freakinism um, there's a lot of stuff he discusses in this book that I'm not super familiar with, but that one I knew all about. So it was just kind of one of those things. He's just finding ways to cram stuff in. 
whatever he's interested in. I kind of I kind of want to compare it. This is my first time reading Cory Doctorow, but I've read a lot of John Green, and John Green is real infamous for just like whatever he's like nerding out about. He finds ways to incorporate that into his novels. Uh huh. Um, and so. Um, I've made the comment before that reading John Green novels is a bit like hitting random article on Wikipedia over and over again. And, uh, you know, Cory Doctorow definitely has a focus on what his his uh, Wikipedia articles that he's talking about are in his book. But it is it is a lot of that. It is a lot of kind of just information overload. And here's a bunch of stuff. Um cobbled together in this narrative format which i think works because one they all follow along a similar topic and a similar theme and a, and a similar thing that you know a message that he's trying to get across but also because people are more engaged by a narrative flow than they are reading wikipedia article after wikipedia article uh so it's a way for them to get that information without necessarily even really thinking about the fact that they're researching in a way, like they're getting educated on all of this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, Dr. O is, uh, uh, definitely proselytizing for a viewpoint and, mm-hmm. and he's, uh, a, an activist, um, and, uh, did work for the electronic frontier foundation for four years. And, uh, has does have a history of life on the internet um, uh, with uh, very popular blogs and uh, and he uh, makes all his books available with uh, Creative Commons licenses so um, I'm able to download them or um, I couldn't get his uh, downloads to work on the Kindle so I I got a uh, Moby that someone else had made um, that worked. Um, because it was Creative Commons, that's all legal, and he gets to link to them and thank mm-hmm. him for doing it, you know. Um, and, uh, uh, boy, I, I got on a roll there, and then I ran out. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I got sidetracked. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Now, I uh, here's what I will say about little brother and this is it again the only cory doctorow i've read at this point but i think little brother works really well as a conveyor of the message that it's trying to convey um i wasn't particularly super engaged in plot or super attached to any of the characters they were kind of just the framework in order to get that message across for me but i do think that it raises a lot of interesting discussion points and and does so in a way that is more digestible especially for younger audiences but really anybody so it's definitely a good way of getting a a point across when you when you have those kinds of beliefs or or that knowledge that you want to share yeah um a lot of times it's done in comic book form but I think the novel, yeah. the novel, he was able to get a lot more, like detail into both his story, and his technology. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Marcus is really the the only really developed character. Um, yeah. Several and several of the others 
several of the others you could see where they could become. But yeah, uh, and and Marcus is a kind of like this really really smart dumb guy. Yeah, you know he's really an idiot. You know, um, and keep he, he could definitely he could definitely <laughs> be uh, compared to a uh, both from from a. Uh, uh, King Killer Chronicles for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> really, really smart, dumb guy. Yeah. Um, but he also he 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 suffers a little bit from just being not a super realistic character in my point of view. Um, but all of all of the characters kind of have that little bit of um, clicheness to them. Uh, and like you said, Marcus is really the only one that has enough development to to really see as a as a more fleshed out character. Yeah, Marcus does uh, undergo a few moments of insight where he realizes, "Gee, I really effed up here." You know? Yeah. Uh, and it's like time after time after time through the whole story. It's like. Um, watching I Love Lucy, you know, one episode after another, and here's Lucy effing up. Also, I found the ending to be rather unsatisfying, a little saccharine, considering the content of the um, uh, diatribe. Um, mm. And uh, um, I've read other um, uh, Cory Doctorow novels that had good endings, where I enjoyed the the ending this was kind of like a forced denouement kind of oh now he's going to be a good boy and he's not going to be dumb anymore or something of course i think there's another one coming or already out mm -hmm. um another uh, little brother sequel um so i'm gonna have to um i should have researched that before i did this podcast yeah I'm gonna have i've to got this it open and, yeah so Homeland. Yeah, Homeland. That's it. Is book two. It's already out. And then there's apparently a book two point five called Lawful Interception. Lawful Interception. Oh. Uh, yes. And um, uh, I guess um, that explains letting the lady off scot free, so you could have her as a bad guy in future novels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now. Uh, that's just the way it is, you know. Um, those people are always let off scot-free, so yeah, it's unfortunate. But our our, yeah, C I think our there's CIA definitely... director now was involved in torture during yeah. the Iraq War and Afghanistan, and uh, now she's still there working for the government. Government, yeah. You know, after she waterboarded all those people, you know, and uh, that's uh, that. Um, the kind of premise of uh, uh, one guy against Department of Homeland Security—it's—it's uh, it's a cool story premise. It's not uh, at all realistic or possible. Yeah. There's, well, too, there's um, too many too many ways he actually gave himself away that uh, um, a big government agency would have been all over him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was reading. That's that's why I was able to find the information so quickly. But I was reading some reviews on Goodreads, and uh, somebody somebody just explains just like this is just a a uh, a slightly more optimistic 1984, 
where like there is actually an underground movement that is semi-successful. <laughs> so that is, yeah, that is something that especially teenagers being the underground movement, which we all know. Um, when you read uh, young adult novels, if you read young adult novels pretty, pretty frequently that a lot of times teenagers are written quite a bit older than teenagers tend to actually act. Uh, and I felt like that was the case here. Like there is, there is a lot of times where I was just like, Oh yeah, these, these are like 17 year olds. I got to remember that. Yeah. Um, I, I think he, he wasn't too bad at, um, um, sh allowing the characters to show their age. Yeah. Yeah. There were definitely times, but they were also like, I think for me, it's when you get into the exposition dumps of here's this thing that I know a lot about that I want to basically recite a Wikipedia article to you. And that's the stuff that really kind of removed me from the idea that these are a bunch of kids. But I think, honestly, any any characters, there's a certain amount of just introducing in casual conversation being like, oh, I want to talk about like the the uh uh I can't even remember what they're called, but the the measurements that they use to measure the heat in in hot sauce for the next fifteen minutes. So I'm just gonna bring that up and talk about that for a while. And I'm just like, really? Yeah, and it, <laughs> it really it really wasn't clear what that had to do with the story ever. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be different if she used it somehow to escape from prison or something. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she they even bring mister, up like pepper I mean, spray. That's, that's got to be dangerous, you know. Uh, they never even, you know, um, uh, when there's a gun on the mantle, you know, someone has to be shot with that gun before the third chapter. You know, here, the, here we had that gun on the mantle, her pepper mister in her purse, you know, and then her, his mom has one too, and then neither of them ever use it. <laughs> yeah. At least they could have passed it off to that reporter lady. She was badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was a little bit of uh um uh you know, uh God's hand. There's a term for that. Um divine intervention. Divine intervention, yeah. A little uh -huh. bit of divine intervention. They finally got to the right reporter lady and then she waved her magic wand and made everything right again. You know, that's, uh, reporters don't actually have that much power, usually. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I still enjoyed the story and got involved in the, uh, Marcus Mikey character. And, mm -hmm. uh, now, um, in science fiction, it's usually the professor type guy that's doing the exposition. I hate exposition, by the way. But in this mm -hmm. book, I, I enjoyed the exposition because um, uh, it's a topic I'm interested in and it's a topic I'm interested in seeing explained, um, you know, at a, a level a high school student could understand. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, Bruce Schneier, who wrote the afterword, he actually is a working security expert. And yeah. I'm a kind of a, a glancing 
you know, as I drive by, I glance at security stuff once in a while. It's been a long-term hobby of mine, but I've never uh, really been driven to uh, put the work into it that it takes to really, because, you know, you put all this work into this really hard math, and then you get the terriblest jobs, you know, so it was never something I really wanted to move into as a career, but I've always been interested in it. So mm -hmm. the book fit me that way. Yeah, and I think I think that's his target. Of course, I'm old, but it, I think that's really his target is like kids who like computers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's going after the hackers and the geeks. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. And like all of the stuff in the afterword lended to that, like it, it really explained the importance of it and um additional resources and, and and reading and stuff like that if you're more interested in it i've always enjoyed stuff like that sometimes i enjoy stuff like that more than i enjoy the actual book um because you can see in things like that just how much passion there is for stuff like this while i'm reading the book i kind of get bogged down in the all of the other other components that go into it and then when you get just that raw i'm going to talk about hacking and why it's important and why it can help improve security systems and shouldn't be something that's frowned upon um i just thought that that was really interesting yeah and that's the actual um state of the art best practices is all cryptography mm. open. Everything he was talking about is the way it's actually done in the real world. So, um, when we had the jug, that was computer kids who like computers. And it was about 10 years before this was written. But, but we uh, had some high school students in the jug and some of them thought they would be cool and do a little bit of cracking and break into other people's modems and stuff, you know. And uh, some of them were smart kids, and they were more mm. successful than they should have been. And the FBI came and knocked on their door. <laughs> yeah. And they quit doing that stuff. <laughs> that happens. So, so yeah, it's a um, it's it's a real world thing, you know. And um, about well, sometime last month we had a discussion. Um, on cyberpunk um, with the Glenn and Adam and uh, so this is really a cyberpunk book you know everything about it cyberpunk yeah it's there's, certainly there's not a lot of alternate re I mean not a lot of um, uh, 3d reality or anything like that it's it's definitely 20 years ago you know technology yeah wise. yeah it's certainly um covers a lot of stuff that I don't know a lot about. Um, but at the same time, I feel like explains it well enough that I can get through it really easily and seeing, cause there is a bunch of stuff in here that I do know about. Um, seeing how he explains the stuff I'm familiar with 
makes me kind of better understand that he he's not necessarily going in as deep as he could go, but he's getting out a lot of information all at once, all over the place. I mean, he's got LARPing in here. He's got all kinds of yeah, <laughs> all kinds <laughs> of randomness in here. Yeah, um, uh, some of it some of it's important to the story, and some of it you can see where he. Oops, I got to include this information. I better include it now before we get to the LARPing part. <laughs> yeah. Got to mention that at the front end. So yeah. when we have this big LARPing section at the end, it doesn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> and there's a lot of that. It almost it almost has a little bit of that feel of there's certain things that he just wanted to be in the book. So he put it in the book and then realized that, oh, maybe I should put that in a little bit early too to just kind of a quick mention so it's not so jarring when you get to that bit um i will certainly say i don't think it's particularly the the uh the best written thing i've ever read as far as just general setup but like you know we've already pointed out several things like that but understanding the way in which he writes and how he um, puts out the books. I feel like I'm very forgiving of that kind of stuff because he's such a, of a mindset of, I'm just going to create something and put it out there for people to make of what they will kind of. And, um, uh, since it's really a screed, um, uh, he kind of, you know, gets a little slack on the novelization. Uh, yeah, but the uh, some of his longer novels um, that are uh, uh, some of them have teenagers in, and they might be considered young adult, or, or maybe not. But uh, some of his longer novels, um, he really does get into character development and excitement. And I mean, there's excitement, a lot yeah. of excitement in Little Brother. But you can see that you can see that he has a skill with narrative flow, and you can guess yeah. that maybe he has a skill with characters too, which he does, in fact. But um, um, but the the character skill is not heavily exercised in Little Brother, and yeah, um, well, and I think part of that is the fact that it has such a inspiration from 1984, which is also a good example of a book that gets into weird tangents and just has certain messages it's trying to get across, and sometimes the narrative and the characters take a backseat to that. Um, you know, in, in some ways that might've been intentional or it's just one of his earlier works. I don't know. I don't, I, like I said, this is the only thing I've read by him so far. So I don't know how it compares to some of his other pieces or where they fit in, in the timeline of his bibliography, but it's certainly like instantly felt like 1984 to me, as far as the way it was presented. Well, I can also recommend For the Win, um, which is um, about uh, unionizing uh, game players, uh, farmers, gold oh, okay. farmers, unionizing gold farmers worldwide and other game industry mm -hmm. shadowy areas. You know what I'm saying? Not the developers, but the... Um, Asian kids making a quarter by by farming gold or whatever, etc. And um, mm -hmm. and so it was from 
Uh, I so, mean, it's all over the world, and there's it's a whole. You get to uh, meet a bunch of characters. There's a lot of character development in it, so I can recommend it as uh, uh, possibly a little better novel than Little Brother. Yeah, and not. Yeah, it has its own proselytization, but not as on the face. Not not in the old school science fiction way. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Asian boys, and that made me. Uh, think about uh the another thing that i felt like this book did that was kind of weird which is like every now and again discussed the issues with racism mm-hmm. but never actually went anywhere with it, most of it <laughs> it would just occasionally highlight the fact that that's also part of some of the issues with the government but <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of just sprinkled in there here and there yeah it was sometimes a bit jarring for me, but I like I know you can't ignore it completely, but I felt like it was kind of one of those things where it almost felt out of place because it almost felt kind of shoehorned in. I understand. Um, yeah. And I do think you're right. I think there are parts he wrote that he liked that he wanted in because he wanted that message there. Yeah. I'm sure I'll have more to talk about as as it dwells in my mind a little bit. But like I said, basically, I read this book over the past two days in by listening to it at super fast speed in chunks while I was doing other stuff. So um, it's not all fully absorbed. I do like the bit of dialogue that it had. I think it was towards the beginning. I can't honestly remember when he discusses it, but things like the idea of um, privacy when when associated with things like going to the bathroom or or just um, having to change clothes or things like that and how there's nothing really shameful about that stuff, but it's, it's it's a private moment. Um, and using that as kind of a little bit of a, a statement line pretty early on in the book uh, that that really flows throughout the book of this issue of privacy and how much of your privacy are you willing to sacrifice. Um, but I do remember that line specifically. In the Panopticon, there's no, uh, in fact, you know someone's not watching you all the time, but mm-hmm. someone could be watching you anytime. Yeah. That's the, that's the. Well, and it's right also there. funny because now we're in the age of smart to- toilets. Speaking <laughs> of privacy in bathrooms, but now we have smart toilets that are supposed to be there detecting stuff in your, uh, waste that might uh be early detecting agents for uh diseases that you you have that you're not aware of um on like that's the whole pr- the idea of it now there's people like looking at pushing these smart toilets for early detection systems but you know they're also just collecting data I mean, <laughs> yeah, medical data at that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gonna have a whole bunch of smart toilets installed everywhere that's just gonna collect data on people. Yeah. It's uh, it's a weird time we live in. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, in the future, people will look back and not understand us at all. Mm. <laughs> Privacy, huh? <laughs> yeah. I could be completely wrong there, though. It could be a necessary part of the human condition. At least to convince yourself that there are some moments when you are completely alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, and I'm not going to get deep into this because I haven't really thought about it as much as I should uh, when it comes to what this book's trying to get across. But this idea of is giving up your privacy in favor of security actually making you more secure or is it just making you more paranoid um, <laughs> and not really doing any good uh, and just increasing the people's awareness and, and and thus also increasing risk because people are so aware of security risks. Um, there's a lot of layers there that the book dabbles in that again, I am not super educated in to talk about, but I thought that that was, that was something, um, that got me thinking that I would like to think more about and read more about and understand better. Well, without using the actual terminology, um, uh, Corey was discussing what's called security theater, where you mm -hmm. have code pads and, um, and uh, metal detectors and door, yeah. door alarms and stuff that rings loud, etc. that, makes a big show of security and it's a way of convincing people you know what i'm saying that mm -hmm. yeah and it's effective i guess as far as it convinces people but as far as actually um uh, protecting people or stuff data or whatever not that effective really that, that security theater and all yeah this. yeah so well and there was also um I can't remember the terminology for it either, but the, the, the way that the numbers worked when they were trying to locate terrorists and yeah. it was one of those where it was 99% effective, but it was a one in a million. Yeah. The false positives, the yeah. false positives. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it touched on a lot of really cool concepts that I want to learn more about. Um, but, uh, it was sometimes so rapid fire with them and mixed them in with things that either I didn't find as fascinating or already knew about or felt like was kind of a little bit more irrelevant in the story that it, it, it definitely gave that information overload, um, to where, me with my poor memory and 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 reading retention um i know that i'm going to have some uh issues issues holding on to the bits that i i really want to learn more about but i think uh 
starting with that reading list that they have at the end is probably where I will go. I want to read more about the Xbox hacker for sure. Cause I know I've, I've definitely heard stuff about that, but I haven't actually looked into it that much. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been something that I've followed since the eighties. Um, through when, uh, viruses were transmitted on floppy disks and, mm-hmm. and the spam wars and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, so, um, uh, computer security and uh, um, all of the different uh, technical issues he raised in a um, surveillance state, you know, as he, yeah. as he was describing. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of stuff to think about. It's fascinating. It's scary, you know. Yeah. And the thing well, is, and is, even... that, is that it's going on right now worse, yeah. worse than ever Cory Doctorow thought it when he wrote this book you know of course yeah. he's aware of it now what's going on now but um um just to get a little anti-social network rant in here you know a lot of social networks where people go sign up for and Alexis and there's a whole lot of privacy invasion mm-hmm. going on that people are just so glad to be giving all this privacy away uh, yeah well and it's still an issue it's not even a security versus privacy issue it's a it's a convenience versus privacy issue yep where people will always pick convenience over privacy i was listening to the the linus tech tips wan show the other day and they Mm -hmm. were discussing this very topic and they and the uh, linus was was hosting and he said um I think they were talking about cars as a service and some other issues that got into some privacy issues and things like that. And he said, it doesn't matter if it's more convenient. They don't care at all about the privacy. And he said that he could give one example that will always support that. And he just said, Facebook, Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to use. You can communicate with people, you know, and, just give out all kinds of data on yourself in the process. Yeah. So yay, we both And that's definitely away. not a yeah, that's <laughs> definitely not a security thing cuz people are <laughs> Facebook's not secure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, pri- privacy is a whole can of worms that uh, is being neglected on many levels for sure by almost everyone by almost everyone myself included i am fully aware uh all right anything else dad uh i've read uh cory doctorow since uh boing boing uh, mm-hmm. ongoing boingboing.net I believe blog um, and uh, but I've read his novels um, one of the reasons that I've read his novels is because they're good and another is because they're easy to get because he has them on the internet where you can download them for free and in a variety yeah. of formats um, I've also followed him as an activist so he's an interesting fellow and he's a good author and uh, um, 
and he uh, uh, did something with this book, you know. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a, um, it definitely can be a, a divisive read from what I'm getting on the internet, but uh, like a lot of people, um, tend to, to respect the fact that he at least is doing something with this book. Um, whether they agree with it or not, I did see several reviews that were along the lines of, I appreciate the message or I appreciate the, the, what, what he's going for. Um, even if they didn't like the book itself, so there's something to be said about if you're if you're passionate enough about something and and you you put it out there in any in any way you can, right? I mean, yeah. And so he 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 finds various ways to get that information out there. Um, but yeah, I would definitely want to read more of him for sure. And see, me, I'm I tend to be very character driven and plot driven and I like theme and I really appreciate theme. Um, but I also like, uh, a bit more ambiguity than I would say that this book has. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The good guys and the bad guys are well delineated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably my biggest issue with it is that there's, it's a it's it's a little bit of a of a black and white book for me, but I did I did enjoy my time with it, and like I said, it opened a lot of doors for me that I'm looking forward to exploring. Cool. Mm-hmm. And um, next month, the Ocean at the End of the Lane. Did I say it? Right? Yep, Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Hey, All Neil right. Gaiman, blurbed little brother. So oh, look at did. that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. See, he, he said you. he said it was a good book. So. Yeah. And, you know. Um, there you go. I'll bet you Corey Doctorow and Neil Gaiman both read Robert E. Howard. Yeah. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Ocean at the End of the Lane, by the way, is very ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so I and, love it. And not, not proselytization. <laughs> I don't know whether it is or not. I haven't read it yet. I did, I did check it out for your mother to read. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Me Just too. To, it's, been a, it's been a while since I've read that one, so that will be a fun reread for me. But yeah, that's our next one. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's a short, sweet little book discussion group. But Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, the link's yeah. great. Yeah. It seemed like we knew what we were talking about and we were focused <laughs> on stuff. We didn't get super derailed in this one like yeah. we did the last one. <laughs> we stayed relatively on topic, <laughs> which is rare. Uh, uh, yeah, this book also reminds me, in a completely different way, but it reminds me of Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, um, except no VR. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but Ready Player One did have that um, '80s um, exposition all throughout it. 
every so often you'd learn something else about the 80s. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's part of it too, is that in the same way that in Little Brother, you kind of felt like every now and again, Cory Doctorow put something in just because he wanted to put it in. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of Ready Player One. Like Ready Player One, the whole idea is like, I just want to talk about the 80s because I like that time. <laughs> Figure out a way to write about it a whole bunch. Get the younger generation into all this cool stuff that I remember. Ah, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely had some similar vibes. I haven't read Ready Player One in forever, though, so. For some reason, I remember it pretty good. Yeah. I didn't remember Little Brother at all. I I think, uh, I think probably if I, and I kind of remember feeling the same way, but again, it's been a while. I feel like if I reread Ready Player One, I'd probably have some similar issues and the ideas of, like, probably not enough time given to character development and things like that. And more just on this, the the set pieces and the references and the, the different messages it was trying to get across. You have been listening to the Related to Geeks Book Club. Recorded February 17th, 2020 on the Gamer Plus Inspired Unreality Open Game Chat held at Tanker's Tavern on Discord. For more about our geeky family, visit relatedtogeeks.com. For more information about Inspired Unreality, join Gamer Plus, a social network for gamers, at gamerplus.org. Megan and Larry discussed the Cory Doctorow book, Little Brother. The music for this show is Alphonium by Harry Larry recorded at the ASU Bandroom on November 30th, 2018.